0: I'm Megan.
1: I'm Colin. And this is Pet Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional.
0: Confessional, An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter.
1: Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. A big topic in our industry is having independent contractors or employees. But something that several have had to experience is moving from having independent contractors to then having employees. And we're really excited to have Amber Van Dizen Suarez, owner of Attaboy Animal Care, on to talk about this very topic and really excited because she's been on with us from episodes 51 and 108. Uh, so Amber, um, thank you so much for coming on again. And if you wouldn't mind uh, introducing yourself to the new listeners and reminding us a little bit about what you do.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much. Uh, my name is Amber Van Denzen Suarez. Yes, a long name. I know um, I own Attaboy Animal Care since 2013, That. But- Previously did pet sitting à la carte unprofessionally. Prior to that, was a veterinary technician for thirteen years. Have a uh, bachelor's degree in animal science as well, and a certified professional pet sitter, dually through NAPS and a PSI.
1: Been in the game for a long time with a lot of experience. And when you started Attaboy, did you originally intend to start off with independent contractors, or how was that process of bringing on people for the first time?
0: Yeah. So when I first started. bringing on people for the first time, I did opt to do independent contracting for two main reasons. One, the company that kind of helped mentor me into this industry, that's what they did. And that's what they were knowledgeable with. And I was kind of following their footsteps. Um, So they were able to help me with that process versus employee. It wasn't as well, aware or common even in the pet care industry in my area because it wasn't even common to have a team that much um, when I started uh, in that time frame. So, independent contracting was really like the only option I knew. And as for employees, it just seemed like a bigger fish that I wasn't able to fry at that moment. Um, so, I did start with ICs mainly for that. And two, when I started with ICs, I didn't have consistent work. Um, So I thought if I didn't have consistent work, why would I have an employee? Um, Because I didn't know when I needed them or how often I was going to be able to offer them uh, financial compensation, obviously, for the work that they're doing. So um, because of that, that's why I kind of opted for ICs at at the beginning of this journey. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It it is. It's always a journey. There's always things changing and learning too. Yes. When you had... Sometimes it's like
0: your mom, but you know, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 When, when When you had independent contractors... How was it set up in your business? What, how did it operate? How did you you book with them? Yeah. Um, all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So um, I was originally just by myself doing pet sitting on the side while I had a full-time job uh, being a professional veterinary nurse. And um, when I started adding independent contractors, we didn't have any software at that time. But clients were just calling us or emailing or texting us their requests. We had uh, our... Calendar of clients' requests on a hard paper copy situation. We would just text them updates. Um, And during that time, we probably only had less than 20 clients, I would guess, when I first hired my first independent contractor. Um, So I had one that I hired at the very beginning, and she was with me probably for a solid year prior to me adding on a second independent contractor. And I continued that process until I probably had nine to 10 independent contractors over a five-year time span up until last year, actually. I transitioned to employees January of 2021.
1: Yeah, that's a, a long time to be, to be operating with them. Was it easy to get them on the schedule uh, whenever you needed the service or did you kind of have reoccurring things that it was more predictable for them?
0: Yeah. So it was not easy. Um, So during that time, it was the fact that when clients were requesting services, back then it was more common to have twice a day visits for dogs, once a day visits for cats. So we kind of made them only available for the mornings and the evenings to be able to fit that around my full-time schedule, as well as the uh, contractor that I had onboarded originally. Um, So usually it was the contractor would say I'm unavailable. And so I ended up doing most of the visits myself as well. Um, So it was not easy to schedule that process by any, any means. Um, I also was working overnights at the emergency clinic. So sometimes I would work a midnight to 8 a.m. shift at the emergency clinic and then drive to my pet sit visit, maybe 15 to 30 minutes away, do a 30-minute visit. By that time, I'd been up um, since, you know, 11 PM the night before, <laughs> and it's 9 AM. <laughs> and there was a handful of times really? I even fell asleep. Like I was like, I need to fall asleep in this client's driveway. Cause it's not safe for me to drive right now. <laughs> oh. Cause I was just doing Ooh. so much, you know, to do that. Um, so it was not easy to schedule with original independent contractors. When I did add on more independent contractors, it made it a little bit easier. I did have software by the time I had more than two. Um, So that made it a little bit easier, but I had to have more staff than I actually needed just to cover the sporadic visits I needed covered because of their inavailability as well.
1: Yeah, I think that may be surprising to many listeners to hear that they told you whether they were available for that sit or not. And there there wasn't anything that you could do about that because I think we think, oh, well, I, I hired the staff person, I'm bringing them on. But that's one of the key fundamentals of what separates the, uh, yes. an independent contractor from an actual employee.
0: Mm-hmm. I did not know much about what delineated an independent contractor from an employee or what I like to call that gray area <laughs> in between um, that you know, I feel like a lot of pet sitting companies now or in the past kind of distinguish independent contractors as because... When you start looking at the government regulations of what independent contractors actually mean, um, they kind of tell you to ask these key questions to yourself um, and about your business process and protocol. And if you answer a certain way, it clearly defines if you're working as independent contractors or if your independent contractors are really misclassified and should be employees according to government regulations and rules.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think, yeah, looking at how your business is structured and your expectations on the people that you're bringing in yeah. is really going to yeah. help you decide which, which one is going to be the best.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, when I every business has their own quality of standards and care. And when you have independent contractors, you really can't regulate that because technically an independent contractor, you're not allowed to train. You're not allowed to require them to wear a uniform. You can't tell them when they show up to visits or how to do visits. How we played that when we had independent contractors, it was the, the clients that were telling them what their visits were. The clients are telling them, what the requests of what to do during the visits were not us at attaboy. Um, we didn't require uniforms, but we gave them freebie swag. We would call it, you know, and if they chose to wear it, that's cool. And, um, we couldn't require training by any means. So it was kind of just conversation, you know, notes and what ideals were and, you know, all this, you know, quote unquote gray ways to try to get around the the process of what actually independent contractors are because independent contractors should. Have their own business insurance. They are. They should have other clients outside of your business. So technically, you can't have them sign a non compete because they should essentially have their own business, and you're hiring them to do their services for your company. Technically, they don't have to wear uniforms. Technically, you can't train them. Technically, you know. Technically, technically, um, they have to tell. They have to invoice you, and you have to pay them the rate they choose to be paid. And when they want to be paid. Um, so, and one of the biggest things in some states, too, is if you have a person in a primary duty of your job or of your company, so the thing that primarily makes your company what it is, then it shouldn't be an independent contractor either.
1: You touched on there about pay scale and yes. pay rate because many of us set our pay rates and we go, okay, it's $20 for a walk or mm-hmm. it's $80 for an overnight or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you, But, you know, you said a very key phrase there of the independent contractor then tells you what their rate is. So how did you make that work with them?
0: So when I started with independent contractors, I specifically said, this is what I can offer. Um, And then they would say, yes, I'm okay with that. Um, And I did it per visit. So um, piecemeal or pay per project type job, not hourly. Um, and so I kind of said, this is what I can offer. And they agreed. And then the independent contractor form, I had them sign, which was just like a contract indicated the price I would pay per type of visit. I offered 30 minutes, one hour overnight, et cetera.
1: But then they would have to invoice you uh, yes. showing all of the work that they had done and you'd yes. match your records and things. So
0: every sitter, which they hated, um, that was one of the big perks of when we did transition. The person that were independent contractors with us now employees, they hated invoicing us. <laughs> um, <laughs> they would have to create an invoice. They would have to go onto the software, look up all the visits, copy and paste the visits and the amount of time for each one. Calculate how much we owed them for each type of visit. send us an invoice and then we PayPal them. Um, they're, they're, their wages uh of you know their invoice that they sent off to us. And some sitters would forget to do it. And there would be two months of back pay that we'd have to, you know, they would have to do their invoice and we'd have to pay them two months and others would do it every week. And so it was very a pain in the butt for us myself too, because when I got an invoice, I had to pay it in a timely manner that was required. So sometimes I would be doing payroll every day because one person sent in their invoice on Monday and the other one sent it on Tuesday and the other didn't send it for two months. And I'm like waiting to pay out their wages, which makes your bank bank, you know, numbers wonky.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah Well, wow yeah i mean you mentioned already of already ha- you had to have overstaffed because of filling in all the gaps or the one-offs um then that you had to as independent contractors and then the headache of all the paperwork and keeping everything organized uh mm-hmm. what, what else was it that maybe wasn't exactly you weren't able to run the business that you wanted to when you had independent contractors
0: Right. So the biggest thing for me was training. I really had a, you know, a process and procedure that I wanted each one of our visits to abide by. I really had, you know, our secret sauce of what makes Attaboy attaboy. And I wanted to ensure that our staff was living and eating and drinking that process and procedure. And I couldn't do that with having independent contractors. I couldn't have them come in for training and teach them about how to clean litter boxes properly or how to hold a leash properly. Um, I couldn't offer them trainings through third-party companies, you know, certifications or whatnot because that would be illegal for independent contracting purposes. And I didn't like that at all. (laughs) And I saw major problems with it too. There was inconsistencies across the board from sitter to sitter on how they did a visit or what the expectation of quality was. um, and that just wasn't, it made us, it, it stalled our progress, for sure, as a business.
1: Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Our listeners can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com forward slash confessional. So what was it about that time when you've realized, you know, what was the thing that finally put you over the edge to, okay, I need to make this switch now. It's finally time.
0: Um, so not only the training piece of it, but I actually, so I'm in Florida. Um, so there was actually another company that uh, through the grapevine I knew of that actually got audited and a general audit, which, you know, if you do your books, right, it shouldn't be a big deal, but they also review your staffing process. So independent contracting versus employment process. And they had independent contractors and they were doing everything based off of how you should as much as possible. Again, in that gray area of independent contracting, they didn't require uniforms. They didn't tell them, you know, it was all the client telling them what the visits were supposed to be and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do training, all that fun stuff. The staff invoiced the company, blah, blah, blah. But the reviewer of that Um, audit, it's really just at that point, that person that's reviewing their case's opinion. And if they really feel that your staff should be employees, and that auditor said that they really should be, even though she was following the gray area of independent contracting requirements that you can find on your state-by-state case, that auditor said, "Mm, no, it really should be employees. And she had to back pay taxes on... X amount of years that she had these independent contractors, which was thousands and thousands of dollars, like a five oh. digit number. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, they they make your business reclassify as like a new business. And then workman's comp is required. And then your wages can be higher because you can you have back taxes to pay. And it gets super messy. Um, and I've heard of this multiple times across the board. And sometimes it kills business. And sometimes it leaves that person in debt because no matter if you close your business or not, you still have to pay that debt to the government. So I didn't want that because I'm a rule follower to the core.
1: <laughs> um, so that,
0: so the money scare on top of the training needs, um, that's really what pushed me to say, I need to suck it up. I need to get this done. And we need to switch to employees. The last bit of that also, I feel like was we're having a hard time hiring for independent contractors because most people don't really know what independent contracting is necessarily. Or when you tell them that they have to pay 20% in self-employment taxes at the end of the year for whatever they make over you know, $599, um, they were like sticker shocked on that. So nobody wanted to do that. <laughs> so it was getting harder and harder to hire as well. Um, we weren't getting the quality people that we wanted to apply because it wasn't consistent. It didn't make our business look as legitimate, I believe, in some um, applicant's eyes.
1: Is switching something that you think everybody needs to consider. is that need to be on the table for a lot of people who have independent contractors?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think uh, more and more states are getting more and more strict on independent contracting and what that means. And if you haven't heard about that, I mean, a clear example is like California with the Uber business process, you know, of how they were misclassifying independent contractors versus employees and the chaos that ensued. More and more states are getting more strict about it. Two, um, it's better... Less liability on your end um, for tax purposes, for auditing purposes, for workman's comp if your staff gets injured on the job. Um, even if you have them sign, you know, any document you want that says we're not liable, <laughs> that doesn't prevent them from trying to still um, get resources or financial compensation for issues that occurred during a job while they're working for you. Um, so I think it's if there's a person that owns a company. And they have others that work for them, and they're not just a solo person. They definitely need to consider switching to the employee status for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the winds of change are definitely moving in the direction of making it harder and harder to have legitimately classified independent contractors. And I think many of the people who worked with the California legislation are now at the federal level, yes, um, pushing some of those same initiatives, yes, uh, and, and coming out there. So it's definitely. Something to start looking at in your business to see of how you're going to make that work.
0: Yes, I think it's also a huge thing. Like with anything, I'd rather be self-regulated as much as possible before before government regulations start going into place. Um, because if we start self-regulating ourselves, like with anything, whether it's licensure of pet care or you know employment status of pet sitting businesses, um, it's going to make it an easier transition um, for everyone involved. Because transitioning to employees is not the easiest process. It takes, a, for me personally, it took a while to figure out all the Q&As that I needed to make a smart um, and educated decision to transition. And you don't want to do that in the midst of everyone else needing to do that as well because it was forced onto everybody.
1: Right. So what what was that switch like? What were some of those first initial steps that you took to get that ball rolling?
0: Um, the first thing was... I. In Florida, we have a website that's called SunBiz. So it's like what we use to register as LLCs or DBAs or S-Cores or whatever. Um, I went on that website originally to see what kind of information they had regarding employment status. Um, they didn't have anything really. <laughs> it was a waste. Um, and then, which, you know, shocker. Uh, but then we then went to, I went to a local um, college has resources for business entrepreneurs uh, to help them with a bunch of uh, business question type situations. Most states and most colleges have some type of um, business education resource of some sort that's usually funded by the state. And I looked towards them and I asked them a bunch of questions. And honestly, they said, financially, don't switch to employees. Employees are so much more expensive. They kept saying, don't do it. And then I went to my tax guy and then he's like, don't do it unless it's forced upon you because of money again. So these two big professional persons um, that are in business, both in tax and in, in traditional business, were like, don't do it mostly because of the money. Uh, <laughs> um, so that was, that's what made me pause for so long. Cause I was listening to these professionals that said, no, it's just going to cost you out the, the rump. Um, you don't want to do that. Just avoid it as much as possible and deal with it. Until it's forced upon you. Um, that's not who I am. I'm kind of like a progressive, get it done when it should be done versus reactionary person. Um, so it was messy and it did take me, I think I started considering employees a year or two prior to switching. Um, and I just kind of kept pausing it because it seemed overwhelming how to find a payroll company because I wasn't using payroll. How much is it going to cost me in payroll? How much are these taxes going to cost me? Because I couldn't find like, great examples or numbers of what it was actually going to cost me in addition to paying for these taxes, um, such as Medicare and uh, unemployment taxes and state taxes and whatever that's going to be. I couldn't find a good resource or general concept to tell me what is that number actually going to be? So, how do you make a decision on something when you don't have specific details? <laughs> right. um, so, it, it took a bunch of resources. And ultimately, I started just connecting more with other businesses, um, pet visiting businesses, especially in the state that I was in. And I just asked, hey, I'm thinking about transitioning to employees. How much does it cost you in payroll? How much does it cost you in taxes? How much does it cost to win workman's comp? Um, and with a, a few companies that were local to my state, I was able to get a general idea of when I when they paid out X amount of dollars, how much. They were paying in taxes, payroll, and workman's comp as well. You can also also got a quote from um, Business Insurers of Carolina's, hey, shout out, <laughs> um, to get a workman's comp quote as well. Um, so they were able to do that, which is based off of how much you pay out to your staff on a yearly basis as well. So once I was able to get those numbers and then answer some detrimental questions of, you know, do I have to pay travel time or do I have to pay gas mileage in my state, which every state's different, by the way. Um, And do I have to pay for training or certifications and um, making sure I had an employee manual and either creating that on my own or purchasing it from somebody. And once I started getting those things kind of into place, that's when I started, you know, slowly having that process completed so it took a long time and it was messy and complicated in my opinion by far because there wasn't a one all walks step walkthrough process for my state for my industry at that point which i think is something i really want to work towards helping others do as well Um, so the first very first step i did besides research the very first purchase i made was an employee manual um, because i wanted to make sure i knew what i wanted from the staff when I was transitioning to employees and it was clearly written down, um, it took a long time for me to even put my thoughts into words, written word, um, and transition that to ensure when I was ready to switch to employees, it was all ready to go and those process and procedures were in place.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's so much to, to, to consider there. You, know, you mentioned taxes, workers' comp. Um, did you have to adjust your insurance coverage that you had for your business now that you had employees?
0: Um, so I had an insurance uh, policy for my company through BIC as well, and that did cover independent contractors or employees. Okay. Um, so that base business insurance did not need to be changed because of an IC or employee status. Um, the only thing I had to add was workman's comp insurance um, <clears throat> for purposes of employees, which Some states only require if you have X amount of employees and after a certain amount, then you have to have it. Um, So because of my numbers, I had to have it in the state that I'm in.
1: How many did you end up getting transitioned from independent contractors to employees? Eight.
0: Eight Um, eight transitioned, totally. uh, And then actively, we have 10 now.
1: Did you have any that were hesitant to make that switch or transition? Did you feel like you had to convince? What what were their coming blocks for them?
0: Yeah. So when you're transitioning to employees, you know, as a business, you have to consider a handful of things your cost increase for your back tax, you know, purposes, all that behind the scenes cost, and what you're paying your your sitter is actively now. You know, so on average, any business, you know, they kind of say your goal would be that your payout is 30, 35 ish percentage um, of your revenue. Um, And some people are paying way more than that. <laughs> so if you have your, you have to make sure your numbers are right first, because you're adding on an additional, when I calculated 12% in taxes and a payroll, um, plus at least probably 50 cents a visit approximately for workman's comp purposes. Um, I needed to make sure, can I afford what I'm paying them as independent contractors or am I going to have to reduce their wages, which can be <laughs> shocker, um, unsettling for most <laughs> when you say, Hey, I have to decrease your pay potentially. Um, so well, that was one of the things I chose to not do. I chose not to decrease their pay. Cause I was already luckily in a position that I was in the right percentage for profit still, you know, cause you always want to think about that profit first, obviously. Um, so that was already transitioned and ready to go. Um, The other concern was some of our staff did work for other app-based companies, um, which we had discussions about and how that worked and what our expectations were and blah, blah, blah about theft of clients. But they still worked for apps and they wanted to know, are we allowing them to still work for those apps when we switch to employees. So that was a big concern for a handful of our staff. And then last um, was, do I still have to do invoices? Am I still going to have to do my mileage for tax purposes? So those questions they wanted to know is basically how much it was going to cost them different, and how much work or less work was going to change ultimately.
1: Did you feel like the, that that cost differential between what was going on before versus what's operating now, was it a big difference or were you able to keep it relatively the same?
0: Oh, it's a big difference. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> um, so, you know, when you're paying out, you know, say I charge on a, to just an example, $25 for a 30 minute visit. And I pay a pet sitter on average $9 for that 30 minute visit or approximations, of course. That's what I was paying. My cost to, out the door to that staff person was nine dollars um now you have to incur approximately every state's different for us it was like 12 percent in taxes and then payroll whatever it costs you because most payroll companies charge you per person that's on the payroll per payroll um, processing and then you have to factor in your workman workman's comp so i literally just looked at my last one of my last payrolls as an example um, on a slower week or bi-weekly and it was like $2,500 of payout to staff. And it was about $350 in taxes. So it was approximately 12%. And then my workman's comp, I estimated how much I had to guess how much I was paying in revenue for the coming year, or it's not revenue, um, um, employee cost. And then they give you a quote on how much you pay and you can pay it in bulk or you know, uh, quarterly, et cetera. Um, and if you end up going over that at the end of the year, cause it'll ask you like, how much did you pay out at the end of the year to your staff? You then have to pay the difference. So, mm. <laughs> um, based off of that, it costs us about 50 cents, um, per visit for workman's comp purposes using, um, travelers through BSC as well.
1: Part of that sounds like is that there was there an associated price increase of the services that you were offering?
0: Yes, I actually. um, So we transitioned January 1 to employees. And January 1, we increased our prices by $3 per visit and dropped overnight options as well.
1: Wow. How did you communicate that to your existing clients? Were they receptive of that or were they kind of wanting to know what they were getting for that?
0: So since I knew I was switching to employees, at least by that fall prior, um, in a monthly email that we send to clients, which has about, you know, like a 40% open rate, uh, we started putting that we're switching to employees. What does that mean to our clients? So they had a benefit to them prior to even me announcing our price increase. Um, so they saw, oh, look it, we're getting more. And I started months, months prior, probably six months prior in those emails, highlighting the perks of our company mm. the certifications our our staff has our backup process and procedure our team based approach blah blah whatever was our niche that really makes us different from any quote unquote competition locally. Um, And so I started highlighting our our pros and cons in those emails on our social media, showcasing our staff to really kind of get them to kind of drink the juice of our company. Um, And then we announced a couple months prior to the price transition, right before holidays, that prices were going to increase by $3 and that our we chose to allow them to book services prior To a certain date, would be grandfathered in. Um, So maybe two clients out of 200 plus decided to uh, take advantage of that um, and book multiple visits after January 1 prior. And they had to put down their deposits and pay for them, though, because it had to be out the door. Um, So we didn't have any verbal complaints. Um, Did we see some of our clients drop off? Absolutely. Um, Was it clients that I was upset about dropping off? No. Um, so they kind of naturally called themselves, which I kind of feel in any price increase, it's always working um, smarter, not harder. And so, because of that, you're going to call naturally some of the clientele that maybe wasn't the best fit for your company, anyways. Um, if that's really going to be the big factor of change for them, is if, if two or three dollars going to be a big change for them, then that's probably not the best client for you, anyways. So it wasn't a end of the world
1: situation when they did. Right. Well, I, it's it's really interesting to hear that these three big components. There's of each stage overcoming these these fears of the unknown and always of being mm-hmm. concerned about change. Like you, you had to overcome some of those fears and uncertainty of what that was. Then you had to convince yeah. your staff members that that change was worthwhile, mm-hmm. and then you're having to do mm-hmm. it with the clients that you're your, that you have on hand, and each step convincing them of all the benefits that this entails and what each party yeah. is getting out of it.
0: Yep, exactly. So to clients, it was, you're getting better quality staff. You're getting longer term staff. You're getting properly trained staff to employees it was hey we're paying half of your taxes um we have options to now offer you benefits if we want to as well which we started adding on just recently things like supplemental insurance and dental coverage and things like that on which you're not allowed to do if they are independent contractors so there was perks they could see we're a more established business and we had longer term goals so we're having longer retention with our staff because of that as well and as for my tax guy he still shakes his head going well, why did you do that oh. But he's just a money guy, so it makes sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and that's right. I I think I think you have to weigh a lot of these pros and cons based off of what you actually want. Because you're right. Mm -hmm. If you just look at at the dollar and cents manner, it sounds like it would never make sense to 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 go employees the employee track. However, if you're wanting to build a more inclusive, more consistent, more reliable, more cohesive. Company yeah. with staff members. Oh, that's the word for it. You, mm-hmm. You've got to go that way.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? And it comes down to, okay, Amber, you keep saying it's going to cost you more. Why in the heck would you still increase? Like, obviously my prices increased and obviously my um costs increased. But like as an example, um, we've been in business since 2013. Um, so that's eight. Going on nine years. Um, And we had very low revenue for many of the first five years, even with independent contractors. Mm -hmm. Um, I was barely paying myself and I had just stopped working my full time job like three years ago. And when I did that, that's terrifying in itself. But you go look at that. And okay, so revenue wise, pre COVID 2019, we made a certain revenue. Then COVID 2019, we made slightly more than our 2019 still. So we pretty, we were lucky to remain uh, pretty consistent and then grow a tiny bit. Um, and then this year, you know, halfway through the year, essentially plus one month, we've already made our revenue for last year um, and or 2019. So we wow. are at the point that we're planning on doubling this year, Um so if it's that the case, is it because we're more consistent? Is it because I have better, you know, more consistent staff? Is it because we have better training or process and protocols and procedures? Who knows? It could be draw of the luck as well. Very potential. <laughs> uh, but it comes down to I switched to employees and my business grew.
1: I was also curious the feel of the company when you're with staff, when you're talking with them and interacting with them. Does it? Does the company feel different?
0: I think it feels more professional and less loosey goosey, if you may. Um, I feel like if there's concerns, it's easier to address them in a more professional um, relationship type manner versus going, Hey, by the way, we really can't do that. You know, blah, blah, blah. blah, Cause I wasn't allowed to tell them proper process and procedure uh, prior as independent contractors. Uh, So you had to really like walk that line (laughs) to ensure that you were, trying to stay with the government regulation of what an IC is so yeah that definitely can change now for my staff that i've had for a long long time that have been with me at the beginning of ICs to middle ICs to transition to employees now i i kind of always tell my staff when there's a conversation that needs to be had i'm putting on my friend hat my amber hat or i'm putting on my amber boss hat you know (laughs) so okay amber boss amber is going to talk now Let's talk about this. So they understand. And then there's a respect still that we can still be, you know, friendly and docile and have a good time. But when it comes down to business stuff, it's, I always say, I have to do my job. um, And if I'm not doing my job right, you can't do your job right and vice versa.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So for you, how is it different managing independent contractors versus employees? And have you found it to be something that you enjoy better or uh, maybe that you found that fits better with how you operate?
0: Uh, I I would definitely say it's better with how we operate because I'm big on education. Um, As a veterinary nurse, many persons that come into the animal care pet sitting industry are not from animal backgrounds professionally necessarily. Um, So I'm big on teaching my staff not just basic pet care information like how to enter home without a cat escaping and how to clean a food and water bowl, but also major recognitions of big issues such as cat urinary blockages and key signs and red flags for that or GDV bloat and dogs. Um, so I wasn't able to really do that uh, professionally prior with my staff and now I can. So that definitely fits with more our vibe of having not just pet lovers, but pet professionals. Is what we always say in our team. Um, as for easier versus not easier, I think it's similar, um, just with different process and procedures. Instead of using PayPal, we're using a professional payroll service. You know, um, I think hiring is a lot easier now. Um, we've had a lot more increase of. Good or good option um, resumes that came in through hiring processes. I'm not saying they're all great but still, because is still difficult as <laughs> heck. Uh, but uh, it still made the persons that we're getting that are successfully completing our onboarding process are definitely more quality in the long run. Um, and then what took us a lot longer to find our staff that we had in the past, say, 600 applications for one hire. We're now having about you know, 300 applications for one hire. So Mm. what I had to weed through so much to get the quality staff that we had in the past. Um, and currently, um, it seems I don't have to weed as much now.
1: And do you think that is because it's easier to communicate what the position is and they can see themselves as part of it?
0: Yes. I mean, from the time that we're you know, youth, most of our parents are employees. And so we've grown up with knowing what employee kind of means or what the expectation of an employee is in a potentially good or bad quality business, but still employee. Um, Not everybody knows what independent contracting is, unless they've worked with other companies that may have done similar sorts in the past. So previous to me, even starting this business, I've worked as an employee, but I also worked as an independent contractor doing mystery shopping. Um, So I was more familiar with what independent contracting was and expectations. Um, Not most were, and it got very confusing to onboard persons with independent contracting. So I think when we hire four employees now, it's so much easier because they kind of have a general idea or they probably worked as an employee in the past and they know what that W-2 is, and they know what that means.
1: I know you've mentioned your your, your tax guy a couple times these days or <laughs> during this interview. Um,
0: how, he's how, great. How... Don't get me wrong. I literally traveled two hours to go see him. He's been doing my taxes since I was 15. Um, oh. And my parents both own businesses, self-employed of their own, and he does theirs. So I think he's great, but uh, he definitely was not a fan of me transitioning. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I think, I think a, a big part of that, and, and you mentioned it as a reason for... that many people try not to do employees is because tax time becomes kind of burdensome and kind of a lot. Mm. So how have you Mm. found preparing for tax time is these days?
0: So since this is my first year having employees, I um, haven't processed taxes with employees yet. Um, That will be coming Mm -hmm. in the next tax season um but uh, i'm approaching it similar to what i approached previous which is the software that i use has report functions to show revenue um and compensation for our company and our staff so that's kind of our main reports log of all things financial purposes and then our payroll company um which i highly recommend if you're going to do employees just hire a payroll company uh, much easier. They handle the tax expectations for payroll and they automatically send that off to the government needs and the annual report or the quarterly reports that you have to send. They do all that in the company that I chose to to hire because uh, I know nothing about that. <laughs> and I think that's also important is you can't be, you can't know everything and you can't hold all hats, especially if you're going to a point where you're growing and you are now at the point that you're considering employees, there's a point where you need to start delegating. Um, and that is one of those things that delegation was key to me because when you're using tax professionals um, and payroll professionals, one, the pro- probability of auditing is way less. Two, the probability of it being wrong is way less because if you're doing it, you have a dozen other things on your plate and the potential of mistake is way higher. Um, so last but not least is, some people for tax, like end-of-year tax, annual tax purposes, um, pay off taxes quarterly sometimes. Um, some do it as a bulk at the end of the year. That's a concept you have to consider um, which option you want to do based off of how much your revenue is for the year, ultimately. So for now, I'm planning on preparing as, uh, just as much as I normally do. So having all my receipts um, uploaded to like a QuickBooks-type option so they're all virtual, having my software Pet sitting have all my reports for compensation and revenue, um, and then having the payroll company also having all those compensation and payroll options readily available that they hand me all those documents for end of year tax purposes as well.
1: Yeah, payroll is one of those things where you go, oh, that's like I don't feel like I want to be doing that, and the best option is (laughs) to not do it and have somebody else do it, right? And it still gets done. I literally just
0: (laughs) pull reports from my client, you know, my software that I use. I pull a report to say how much do I need to pay each sitter. That's already there and I just copy and paste it into my payroll and then review to make sure everything's you no know, not mistyped. It literally takes me like ten minutes to do payroll. I could easily delegate that off to a management position if I had one at the time um, to do that instead because it's just so stinking simple. And our payroll company does everything digitally, so when we onboard a staff person, we just literally put in their name and email address and it sends them the link and they fill out all the information for their tax purposes and payroll purposes.
1: It sounds like looking at each one of these things of going, okay, like how can... Yes, it's going to be more costly. Yes, there may be more time involved. But there are ways to get around that and ways to operate differently for your business that are going to actually put Mm -hmm. you in a better position as you've already kind of experienced through this year.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I go back to it's not harder. It's just different. And a lot of us hate trying something new, hate change hate transitions, all that fun stuff. And I totally respect that because I'm not one to be the first one out the gate with anything that's new or changing. Um, But I also know that my main goal, which I think everybody needs to consider is what's my main goal of my business. If my main goal of my business is to have extra cash on the side, you know, that's a different path. If you um, are doing this as a full-time job because you pulled out of a different type of industry and you just want to be the one person only um, solopreneur type person, then that's a different path. Um, If my goal was for my company to be self-regulatory eventually and this be passive income in the future potentially. Um, So because of that, I needed to grow and I needed to have a team. Um, And because of that, I needed to have employees so I can have management so they can do those daily um, scheduling and care tasks uh, without me being in the business 100 percent in the future Um, and because of that that naturally said well then the only option then is to formally be employees and get your process and procedures new ones in the place Um, so when it is time to get bigger they're already ready to go
1: are you a member of PetSitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever as we rebuild our businesses. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member Facebook group, and more, along with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is the one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better, and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If that sounds like you, visit petsit.com PSC to learn more. Our listeners can save $15 off your first-year membership by using promo code PSC15 at checkout. This has been a really big shift for you. And I I know that's been a huge learning process uh, over the last, you know, you even said over the last maybe two years before you even began actually implementing it. What have you learned through this process? And I think in addition to that, maybe what do you wish you would have done differently now reflecting back?
0: Oh, good questions. Um, reflecting back, uh, we always wish what we would have done differently is such yeah. a huge thing yeah. um, and what actually ends up happening or what how much time we actually have. Um, so one of the things was I did learn about something called the Voluntary Reclassification Settlement Program. And if you've previously had used independent contractors and then now that you've learned a little bit more about what independent contracting actually is and you realize, oh, insert adult words here, I may have messed up. <laughs> uh, and you need to realize that you want to transition but you're worried about getting audited or what if I get audited and they say I was misclassifying, um, am I going to get taxed in the back? You can actually go onto this voluntary reclassification settlement program and you basically take, pay only 10% of their tax liability from the year prior. So even if you've been using ICs for 20, 20 years, um, you only pay 10% of your last year's tax liability. And um, so, for example, if you had $50,000 in payout last year, you would only pay like $500, <laughs> wow. which is way, way better than what they could literally tax you. Re- uh, and to catch up for all of your past years, so I was planning on doing that personally, um, and then I didn't. I dropped the ball and did not submit the paperwork by the time I um, in the amount of time I needed it to have time to process before I wanted to start employees. So I did not do that, but. Many companies have, and I would highly suggest you consider doing that. Because once you do, they can never back tax you for any years that you've ever potentially used ICs um, in potentially a misclassified situation. So that's a big learning thing right there. Um, Highly recommend you sit look out on that. Um, The other biggest things I would have changed was the fact that originally when I switched to employees, I did allow them to work for other app-based companies. I do not do that any longer uh, because I just, I didn't want to lose staff. I was scared to lose staff with the transition. And I really just wanted to be the peacekeeper as much as possible. But what ended up happening was kind of what happened when they were ICs is they'd be like, oh, sorry, I can't do this job because I have this app-based company, you know, client I have to do instead. So it was competing with my own business that I couldn't even use my employee's and I was, you know, I'm doing a lot for them. I'm paying half of their taxes. <laughs> you know. So respectfully, I should have control over that. So now we do have, you know, non-compete type situations, which some states don't use anymore, but it doesn't hurt for necessarily to have them on just in case or non-solicitation type clauses. Um, so that's a big thing for us now. So I would not do that. And I think those are the top two things I would change or uh, that I thought was huge to learn about with this employee status. Um, And of course, just knowing what your tax liability is going to be for purposes of payroll taxes, because I think that's going to make a huge difference in determining if you need to increase your um, cost to your clients as well.
1: Sounds like an awful lot of number crunching for those decisions. Lots of
0: numbers. <laughs> oh yeah. So if you haven't done algebra in the past, no, I'm just <laughs> uh, it's not crazy. It's just you have to take some time. And I really wanted to know like how much did I if I pay out one dollar to this employee, how much am I actually having in overhead cost for that employee? So I want to know um, for purposes of that, how much that was. Now I know it's plus fifty cents plus twelve percent, you know, so you're you're looking at sixty, seventy cents per dollar in overhead cost for mm my potential purpose of cost as well. So that's why you also want to keep that uh, payroll percentage at, you know, in the 30s-ish, which I don't even have. I have like up to 40, 42 even. <laughs> so I'm not uh, speaking out the wrong way. I definitely am not quite at the 30s necessarily yet either.
1: <laughs> well, and as you had already mentioned, find, just finding those numbers can be really hard. So reaching out mm-hmm. to other, other businesses or getting connected with Uh, colleges or if your state has better resources, you know, to to just start looking at that information to to begin the process.
0: Yep, absolutely. That was the biggest thing. And I'm super grateful for the companies that were super open with me and uh, which actually I already had rapport with because I was in like a professional pet care group for my state. And so I kind of already chatted with them virtually. So when I said, hey, I know this is a bit intrusive, but is there any way you can show me kind of like the numbers of your payroll? And both of them right away were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No problem. (laughs) I wish somebody did that to me when I did this. (laughs) Um, So I thought that was a, a huge, huge asset. And you can't do it from out of state because every state's different, yeah. um, even sometimes county. Yeah. But uh, depending on your state, but definitely super helpful to just ask another uh, local pet sitter that you know has employees or an employee as well, for sure.
1: Amber, I really appreciate you uh, helping us understand this major shift in your business and all the benefits that it's brought to you, but also how you kind of overcame some of those those hurdles of understanding and communicating the benefits to others, but. As you've already mentioned, this is a big topic. And if so, if somebody needs help with algebra, um, how can they get connected <laughs> with you uh, and to start picking your brain on, uh, on some of these things?
0: <laughs> I probably want to contact my husband because he's the engineer. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no um, uh, my email is info, I-N-F-O at attaboy, A-T-T-A-B-O-Y, animalcare.com. Um, and if you email that, it'll get sent to me away if it needs to be, uh, to me as well. Um, you can also follow, find me on Facebook at long name, Amber Van Denzen Suarez. Um, and feel free to, you know, add friend on that as well. I'm on most, um, I'm on the pet sitter confessional group page and other industry group pages as well. Um, so feel free, uh, to reach out for that. And I, I just, I'm totally open with any type of numbers. I'm open with my business numbers across the board. My staff even know how much our revenue is for the year and how much sitters get paid. Our payroll and wages are open book in my company. Um, So I will gladly be open book to you
1: as well. Wonderful. Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Amber. That's, That's a huge help. And you're such a wonderful resource. So thank you so much for coming on the show again today.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hope it can help somebody. It is employees meant for everybody? Not necessarily. But if you think you want to grow and be bigger, then that employee journey um, is probably for you.
1: Just as Amber said, is this switch for everybody? Maybe not. But we should all, if we have staff, be taking a hard look, a hard critical look at our current structure and whether we are using our independent contractors appropriately given some of the major changes happening both at the state and federal level here in the United States, making an independent contractor work is getting harder and harder. And so I love Amber's story of struggling with it herself and trying to come to terms of exactly how to make it work. But she knew there were benefits out there and the benefits that she laid out to both the clients that she had to her staff as well, and then trying to ultimately convince herself and her poor tax guy that it would be worth it in the long run. Are there costs involved? Yes. Are there things we have to overcome in our businesses as far as changing structure, changing pay and convincing people? Absolutely. But as Amber said, it's been worth it for her. And I think it would be worth it for a lot of us to at least consider. If you have made the switch, or maybe if you've considered it, we'd love to hear from you and what your perceptions are and the things that you're hearing at your state and local level. You can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com to let us know more. We want to thank our sponsors for today's episode, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. And we want to thank you so much for listening and joining us today. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We will be back again soon.